hello there. Come on in. Oh, Will, you've got company. Howdy folks, and welcome to Dawson's Den. Western author Ed Vine dropped in for a cup and we've been sitting around shooting the breeze. You know, Ed, I can't help but admire your hunting attire today. Well, thanks, Will. Yeah, I was thinking of looking, oh, maybe more, more like a hunter. Look like a hunter? Yeah, like a hunter. Uh, so I went down to the sporting goods store last week to look for a pair of camouflage trousers. Camouflage trousers. Yeah, but I didn't see any. Anyhow, Ed, you've published one book and are working on another. What's this new book about? Well, the new book uh, kind of takes a spin off of the first one. Stranger. Stranger. Stranger was the name of your first book. Correct. Uh, this one's called Spirit Canyon. Spirit Canyon, okay. It's uh, in the works. I just have a hard time setting down typing for hours on end. So I uh, have my daughter do it. Your daughter does it. Uh, I don't know whether that's a ghost writer or what, but she, type, <laughs> she types a lot faster than I do. Kind of ghost writers in the sky. Ghost <laughs> writers. Okay. Very good. I know. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. So you've been uh, working on this new book. That first book's called Stranger, and the second one is uh, a sequel? It's a sequel to the first uh, book, Stranger. It's uh, Spirit Canyon. Spirit Canyon. Okay. And when would we uh, expect to see that in the online booksellers? Well, I wouldn't expect it until uh, next year sometime. Yeah. 2022. 2022. Sounds like a good even number there. Um, well, where can people pick up Stranger? You do have a book now. Yes, uh, you can pick it up on all uh, book outlet uh, links, uh, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, uh, Apple. Okay. Uh, I guess personal copies if you want them signed. Personal copies. So, uh, folks, if you're looking to get a signed copy of Stranger, uh, just message me. Click that little message button uh, on the podcast deal and... Uh, Leave me a message and we'll get in, you in touch with Ed Vine and he will send you a signed copy. In fact, Ed, you know, I, I'm going to uh, make a special offer here. A special offer. The first person that messages me here on the podcast, I will personally provide them with a signed copy of one of Ed Vine's books here, Stranger, uh, will ship out a signed copy of the book. So be the first one to message me and we'll send you a signed copy of Stranger. Well, we'll get back to talking to Ed Vine right after we see who or what 
is in the Critter Corner this week. Bats may be the most misunderstood of all mammals. They often get a bad rap because they are active at night so we don't see them, and they communicate at frequencies beyond the range of human hearing. So, it can be easy to believe the negative folklore that has arisen regarding these furry creatures. People think bats are blind, that they want to fly into your home, they're dirty, rabbit creatures, or they dive-bomb people and try to fly into women's hair. But bats are far from blind, they have no interest in invading your home, and only about 6% of bats have rabies, and they don't try to fly into your hair. If they do, it's a fatal error for them. Far from being a serious threat, bats are allies. Bats are a major predator of night-flying insects, including mosquitoes, eating their weight or more in flying bugs every night, a handy benefit for humans. They are the only mammals capable of true flight. Bat wings are thin membranes stretched between the arm and finger bones and down the sides of the body to the hind limbs and tail. The wings are much thinner and have more bones than the wings of birds, allowing bats to maneuver more accurately than birds and fly with more lift and less drag. Many bats emit ultrasonic sounds to produce echoes, a process known as echolocation. By comparing the echoes to the transmission, these bats gain a detailed understanding of their surroundings which aid them in catching their prey. Although they may seem to be flying haphazardly around at night, there is little danger they are going to hit you, for they know precisely where you are. Some bats have fleshy extensions around and above the nostrils, known as nose leaves, which play a role in sound transmission. Some common bats found in the West include the little brown bat, the hoary bat, and the Mexican freetail bat. If you're taking a stroll in the evening, keep an eye out for flying friends in the sky, and don't be alarmed, they are just bats on the job. We're back with author Ed Vine. Ed, what inspires you to write? Well, I guess my uh, uh, inspiration to write come from another uh, Western author, uh, uh, Louis L'Amour. Uh, wrote hundreds and hundreds of books. Uh, went through high school, uh, grabbing every copy I could get. And that basically uh, inspired me to uh, his adventures and uh, the cowboys and cowgirls and ranchers and Indian, basically everything in there. Uh, I said, well, I could do that. Well, it took me years to figure out that uh, if I'm going to do it, I had to do it. And by golly, I uh, actually sat down and uh, uh, wrote the uh, first book uh, and entitled it Stranger. Well, that, that kind of goes for almost anything. If you, uh, you want to do it, you just got to sit down and do it. Correct, Will. And, uh, and you, I imagine you've learned some things or two or three or four along the way as you were writing. Yeah, uh, just a few. And uh, uh, it, uh, it 
one of the things that I did realize was I'm no great typist. Uh, so I've used my uh, daughter quite a bit, uh, uh, Amanda. I've used her because she types about 10 times faster than I do. That's helpful. Very helpful. Okay. So, and your daughter took on this project um, excitedly, I imagine. She was happy to do it. Uh, yeah, she was happy to do it because uh, she knew how frustrated I was uh, setting down and uh, uh, pigeon typing, like tap, 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 tap. <laughs> yeah. So do you normally write things out in uh, longhand then and then have her type it? Correct. In a, like a journal form. And then she goes over it and then I uh, edit what she's uh, done. She uh, She's pretty good at structuring stuff, though. Uh, we've mentioned this in earlier episodes. Uh, Ed is a fence builder, owner of Vine Fencing. And I, I just wonder, Ed, are, are you ever out there pounding a fence post or stretching barbed wire and, and get an idea to write down, put in one of your books or something? Or Does that come into play at all? Well, definitely come into play with the first book, The Stranger. It was, uh, I'd have notes and stuff on pieces of uh, uh, pizza boxes, uh, whatever I could uh, uh, run to the truck and write stuff down with. But mostly uh, it was uh, in my, uh, uh, well, in my brain. Uh, basically all that was stored in there. The whole storyline was there. I just had bits and pieces that were blanks and uh, they would come through me throughout the day. Yeah, you know, you know, I had uh, where I often find inspiration is horseback. I'll be riding along and an idea will pop into my head. Um, you probably know this, too. I, I'm a writer also. And um, sometimes I'll be horseback and song lyrics will come to me or some kind of plot twist will come. And uh, I know I'm riding along there and maybe I start to sing a uh, there's some lyrics that are coming into my head and my my horse turns his head back and you know I, I, I look for the expression on his face if he uh, to judge whether it was any good or not you, know, you, you ever been in that situation you know a horse has no uh, they don't put on any airs either they like it or they don't like it well that's correct Will uh, I guess in your case good thing it wasn't a donkey because I've heard them them uh, critters there could laugh at you. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, uh, you know, my best saddle horse, Homer, he's, uh, uh, he's laughed a time or two myself. And, and as I said, I'm an author and, I, and I'm working on a book myself. I've been working on it for a while here. It's a collection of stories uh, from a, the life of a Wyoming game warden. And hey, I just got an idea. Would you like to hear a bit of it? Yes, uh, I would, Will. All right. So, well, sit back and I'll read you a section. Uh, this installment is called Uncle Bill. Does that antelope look like it has been slept on? The lifetimes and muddled musings of a game warden. Uncle Bill. Bill D'Agostino was the warden's wife's uncle. Let us be clear on that account. But everyone called him Uncle Bill. 
An engineer by trade, Uncle Bill had traveled the world, impressing all who met him with his intelligence, savvy, and common sense practicality. Unfortunately, Bill suffered from IMS, Italian Man Syndrome. To anyone not familiar with IMS, it is an affliction suffered by a vast multitude of individuals, not all of whom are of Italian heritage. Those with IMS seem to know something about everything, even if they don't. As an example, the warden's father, himself an IMS poster child, knew nothing of hunting. Nothing, that is, until his son became a game warden. Suddenly, the old man became God's gift to wildlife management, waxing elegantly about elk populations, habitat conditions, and a maximum sustained yield, Potter rivaled any tenured zoology professor. Why, his theory on predator-prey relationships in regard to strange attractors would leave any listener slack-jawed and stupefied in disbelief. It may be due to IMS that Uncle Bill, soon after being admitted to someone's home, would head for the kitchen and start sharpening the cutlery with the bottom of a ceramic cup. Beginning with the small parry knives, Uncle Bill would work his way through the steak knives, the fillet knives, the cleavers, and on to the big carving knife itself. Finishing with great flourish, he would hone the tines of every fork in the household. Quite often, Uncle Bill would accomplish his task with the air of one who was bestowing a great favor upon the host who had carelessly neglected such an important duty. Watching Bill announce that he had attended to the task would lead one to think the host had committed a hospitality faux pas, like failing to put toilet paper in the bathroom. Despite his affliction, Uncle Bill was a lovable chap and the warden's wife thought of Bill as her father. Indeed, it was Uncle Bill, not her father, who first took the warden's wife hunting. The lass was of legal hunting age, barely. Of course, Uncle Bill was intent on passing on his vast store of hunting lore and skills to his young niece. On their first trip, the sweet, young, impressionable girl shot her first deer. Ah! a practical teaching moment for Uncle Bill. Bill carefully showed the teenager how to dress the carcass, deftly removing the entrails. The eviscerated carcass lay handsomely on the ground, while nearby lay the guts. The girl had harvested the deer with one well-placed shot. She had dressed the animal without any apparent sign of squeamishness. There remained only one task, before the girl could be called a true hunter. It was time for Uncle Bill to perform one last ritual. Amongst the biological runes that had been a living mule deer, Uncle Bill found the heart and liver. Taking the heart, he sliced a more than adequate chunk from the organ and thrust the still quivering muscle at the girl. Eat it! What? she replied. Take a bite of the heart. It's your first deer. Bill went on to explain that among some Native Americans, it was customary for a hunter to eat the raw heart of their first kill. Do I look like an Indian? The girl exclaimed. Despite her remonstrations, she eventually agreed to eat the heart. She assaged her squeamishness 
with the knowledge that this was indeed a time-honored tradition of those who had come before her. The gastronomical trauma, however, persisted to adulthood, and she refused venison at every opportunity. Uncle Bill was a living legend, respected by all, including the warden, respected to the extent that, when asked by Bill to take him hunting, the warden readily agreed to take Uncle Bill doe deer hunting at a large ranch. It was an offer the warden would soon regret. After listening to that, I'll be looking forward to reading the book when it premieres next year. Yeah, I hope to have it out next year, Ed, and uh, that'll be uh, published by Theatricus, LLC. But we'll give you more details on it when we get closer. And as an added bonus, I'll guarantee you the very first signed copy, Ed. Nice. Well, thanks for dropping by, Ed. Hope to see you again some other time. And thanks to all of our listeners, too. Folks, we'd be mighty grateful if you would help keep the lights on here in Dawson's Den. So please, click the Contribute button and make a contribution. Till next time, happy trails, and keep smiling till we meet again in the den. That's Dawson's Den.